welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name's Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to read from verses 1 to 5. We're kind of talking around this idea at Christmas um, for this month of December. We're talking around this idea of just make room. And uh, we started kind of week one of this series um, around just making room for ourselves, making room for, for the Lord. Last week, I spoke probably a pretty confronting message around making room for others, around the power of honour, around um, acknowledging the fact that we live in just dysfunctional families, don't we? Don't look at your neighbour right now. Please don't do that. Um, but we do. We, we have a lot of dysfunction. Um, and to be honest with you, one of the things I didn't say last week, but if you're dreading Christmas lunch because the cousin or the uncle or the auntie or the son-in-law or the whoever is going to be there, the truth is they're probably thinking the same about you. Somebody say amen. Is that good? Um, and so it, as we make room for the gospel as we make room to be a sign and a wonder in our family and for our community, as we make room for God to do His best work in in us and through us, we've got to humble ourselves and we've got to honour. The word honour means to value, means to esteem, means to give worth to. And so when we can see people through Jesus' eyes, not through dysfunctional eyes or through the eyes of our, um, of our own kind of agenda or experiences, but we, when we can really start valuing people for being created in the image of God. And maybe, I suppose the ultimate prophetic suggestion this morning is maybe, just maybe, God actually wants to use you to help bring a change to help bring a miracle in them. And so we get the opportunity to manifest the miraculous every day, but often when we don't honour, we lock up that miraculous power. And so we gotta make room this season. That's the encouragement, okay? The encouragement is to make room. Make room for God, make room for miracles. You know, being honest, I went to that hospital I went, and as, as I was going to that hospital, I went saying, God, I'm open to be used in the miraculous in this situation. I'm open. We've got to make room, even in the hardest of circumstances. Some people think, well, I don't. Ehab might. I might be, I'm definitely not Ehab, but I don't really like going to hospitals. <laughs> Some people do. Some people love it. Do you love it, Ehab? He loves it. <laughs> Come and lay hands on me, sir. Come on. But the truth is, I don't. But even in those moments where you don't, you've still got to be saying, God, what's your will? What do you want to do? And it's in the curiosity of acknowledging that we serve a God that is supernatural. Some of us, we live with the fact we're so familiar with God and that's fantastic. That's not all bad until we forget how powerful just simply our salvation is. That God didn't just make a bad person good. That's not what salvation is. God made someone that had a sentence, a death sentence over their life, cancelled that and gave us the ability to have right relationship, right standing. Romans says access to God. 
It's fascinating as we're talking about make room and it really is quite challenging, but I want you to think about it from the opposite perspective now. That Jesus, the whole death, burial and resurrection, the whole reason why Jesus came to earth, why He was born, why the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, The whole reason is because God's intention for you and I was to make room for us to have access to Him again, to be in right standing. This is all about us kind of coming back to that Genesis chapter kind of two, three place of living where we're in the garden, where we walk with God, where we talk with God, where we do relationship with Him. And so as we make room this season, I want to really encourage you. And I really, I really, um, the Bible says that if you seek for Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. And so I want to encourage you to open up your heart this Christmas. Can we get real about this for a moment? Some of you have closed your heart up to human relationship. It's closed, bam, it's locked. And God's saying, you know, open it up. Some of you have closed your heart to the impossibilities of God, to miracles being manifest in your life. You've closed it up. You're disappointed. It didn't work out the way that you you thought it should work out. (laughs) The miracle didn't happen in my timing the business didn't go that way. The relationship got cancelled. The, the, the sickness wasn't healed. The Apostle Paul, the Bible tells us that he had a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what that was. We'll find out when we get to heaven, I reckon. That'll be one of the questions to ask. What was this thorn? But the Bible tells us that he prayed, went into three seasons of prayer, not just like, He didn't say three graces at the dinner table saying, please take this away. He went into three intentional seasons of prayer so that this thorn would leave. And it didn't. This is a guy that preached so long, a dude fell out of the window asleep and died. And history tells us, if you read some things about Paul, he was a phenomenal writer but most scholars and theologians and historical accounts write that he was actually a really boring preacher. So some dude literally fell asleep in one of his sermons. It's happened here, but we have nice padded seats. Come on. This is the same guy that then said, I'm not done. I'm only up to point number three. I've got 17 points. This is a sermon in Matt Garner's image. Come on. It goes down and right. This is that guy. But God allowed it to stay because there are just some things that are a mystery to us at times. And if we think that Christianity is all about our comfort, that's where Christianity starts going down. If we start judging our walk with Jesus and our success as a Christian based upon whether life is going in the way that we want it to go. We've been caught up in a culture trap. Because God doesn't say to us that, he, that things won't happen to us, but what God says is that He'll be with us when those things, when we go through those things. Let's read the Scriptures. Make room, Isaiah 54. I love this. I pray that this prophetically speaks to you this morning. It says, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labour, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Sing, barren woman. It's kind of like, did you know the kingdom of God often operates in an opposite spirit? Often that's actually how faith works. 
That's why the power of our confession is so powerful. It's not like this kind of necessarily blab it or grab it kind of Western uh, kind of prosperity gospel sort of thing. But often the kingdom of God, God through faith requires us, puts a demand on us to operate in an opposite spirit. And so here's this woman, the one of the primary places of value and identity that a woman got in these days was around her producing children. And so the Bible is speaking, Isaiah the prophet is speaking and he's prophetically declaring over someone that's been trying to have a child for a very long time and is barren. Nothing is happen, happening, she cannot conceive at all. And God, or the prophet rather, prophesies to her and says, I want you to sing despite what you can see. Did you hear that? I want you to sing despite what you can see. I want you to worship despite the war that you think is going on around you. I want you to have faith and I want you to believe that that thing that is uh, that you've been believing for is happening. And I want you to sing in a way like it's already happened. Sing barren woman. Notice he doesn't say sing pregnant woman. She's not pregnant now. But he asks her, says, I want you to operate in an, oper- in an opposite spirit. This is why the gospel of Jesus is so powerful. Even in terrible situations that our church family have experienced just this week. We can rest in the fact, we can rest in the simple fact that we will see each other again in eternity. And so while the world, of course it's sad, of course we grieve, but we also get the opportunity to have an opposite spirit. And whilst the world are grieving in a way that only understands loss. We're also grieving because of loss and sadness, but there's joy on the inside knowing that we have a hope and we have a faith in Jesus that goes way beyond what happens in this life. He says, sing barren woman. You've never bore, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. I don't know, have you, have you ever, we're talking about making room, right? This prophetic word comes. Have you ever been in one of those situations? I reckon if I was that woman, um, if I was that woman, I really do reckon that that would have been a slapping ministry coming on. You know what I'm saying? To the prophet, like, yeah, that sounds really good, but I've tried everything. I've done everything that I can do. I've gone to all the conferences. I've had the, read all the books. It's still not, working out and the prophet says sing O barren there's something so powerful about this that when we worship and when we praise and when we press into the press into God and when we live by faith and when we live in an opposite spirit something begins to happen when we live according to God's word above anything else God's word is our measure listen to me culture is not our measure God's word is our measure we don't live according to what, uh, what culture says is truth. We live according to what God's Word says is truth. We won't be pressured into, as the church, come on, I'm just speaking the truth now, into what is socially acceptable or not. We don't live by their rule book. We live by God's Word. Amen. Just God's Word. And so when the government pass laws and do all different things, our measure is in alignment with God's Word. What does God's Word say? Yeah, but I've got a friend that's of this gender or of this sexuality or this or that. You love them into the kingdom. This is a culture and environment where all are welcome. This is a culture and environment, man, just like... 
We're so busy judging and wondering what will happen out there, but did you not know that even your own pastor has flaws and issues and problems and things that he struggles with? He's just a normal human being. He's not some super, I'm not a saint, not yet. Some, my wife might think so, but no, she, <laughs> just keep moving. That was, that was too much laughter then on that. But the truth is, is we wanna embrace the most broken, the most despised, the most marginalised people in our world. They're the ones that we're called to minister to. Just because we hold a truth doesn't mean the doors are closed to those that that don't live by that truth. It is not religion that changes people, it's the Gospel. It is the good news of Mac. No, the good news of Empower. No, it is the good news of Jesus. Listen, we, we don't live, we don't live, we don't live, like I was talking about a culture trap. The other trap, we don't live by what our experiences say truth is. We live and respond according to what God's Word is. That's why we can have an opposite spirit. That's why we can live in faith. I didn't say we can be fake. Please, in these moments of loss and pain and heartache, feel the full weight of those things. Take them to the Lord. Do that whole thing, man. I'm telling you right now. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you if you are depressed. It doesn't change the identity of who you are. Do I believe it's God's plan for you to stay in that place? No, I do not. However, life happens. (laughs) This is a real message today. I'm in a real moment. It's what happens when you go in hospital rooms. You just talk real. And so you might... The, the, the truth is, we don't live our life. See, if this woman in our text this morning, we're talking about making room, if this woman in the text this morning, if she lived according to her experience, there's no reason to follow the word of the prophet. Barren people don't sing or shout for joy until they conceive. But people of faith don't live according to experience. They live according to God's Word. Are you with me? I'm gonna say it one more time. They don't live, we, we, you and I, we don't live according to experience. We don't live according to culture. Our emotions are not our boss. Jesus, 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 just Him. And this woman gets this opportunity. Sing, O barren. Listen to what what He says. And I want you to see this. And this is the make room part. He's basically prophesying something over, over her. And if you've ever received a prophetic word, what, what's happening in a, in a spiritual capacity, a technology, a God technology is happening. And God is putting something in your future that's already there, it's being revealed. And as that is revealed, as that is revealed, you and I have an opportunity now to come into alignment with that prophetic word that God has spoken. There is always a response and an action that follows revelation. There is always a response and a reaction, an action that is required as a result of revelation. Doesn't matter whether it's obedience or disobedience, there's always an action that happens. Think about it. We were doing a little devotion uh, last, yes, last night with our, with our family. And we were talking about Jonah. And we were talking about how the, how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Said, I want you to go to Nineveh. The Jewish people hated the Ninevites. I couldn't stand them. But a word comes to Jonah the prophet. 
go to those people. I love them. A revelation came, but his reaction, there's always a reaction. There's always an action. Check out, check out what the prophet says about what her action should be. Listen to this, verse number two. A large, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Let's keep reading. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. Do not be, and you will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Let me just give you maybe four practical things that I want you to think about enlarging. I don't want you to live according to where you are now. I want you to live according to the revelation and the vision that God puts in your heart. So a part of this journey, and this is a specific message because this is really the last sermon. Next week, we're just gonna talk a little bit. It's a one hour Christmas Eve service. It's gonna be super fun. Come along. We'd love to see you there as we just really continue to celebrate Jesus at this time of year. But this is just my last opportunity for this year and I was thinking this week around the fact that this was gonna be kind of my last message for this year. And I was thinking about the fact, um, and obviously due to this week's events, it was really drummed home that life's short. Life is but a vapour. It's just tight, it's, it's here and gone. And so we wanna make the most of the God-given influence and calling and destiny that He's put inside of us. We don't have time to waste anymore. We don't have time to waste. And so I was thinking about you on New Year's Eve. That's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about me on New Year's Eve and I was thinking about next year, 2024. Is that the year we're going into? I thought we'd be in flying cars by now, but anyway. 2024, what is the vision that God is putting in your spirit for 2024? What is the influence that God is wanting to use you to release? Who is God calling you to be the change agent? Because God always uses a person. Who is God asking you to pray for in a way that their life may just depend upon it? What is God calling you to do in 2024? What does that look like? The first thing that we need to do is that we need to start having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me today? You with me? I know some of you got weddings happening next year. There's babies being born. There's so many exciting things happening as I look across the, the, the breadth of our community. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. But in the rush, as we lead into those things, please, 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 God wants to work for you. He wants to work in you, but He also wants to work through you. You are the miracle. You are the manifestation of the Kingdom of God that this world is waiting for. And so you've got to live your life, not just kind of ad hoc. I hope this all works out. I'll work it out when I get there. You've got to live with some intentionality in your life. And the first thing that I want you to do, and I want to give you a bit of homework over the next couple of weeks, is I want you to start praying about what 2024 looks like for you. 
I'm not saying you need a big vision plan or a bit like, here's the five things that I'm believing for. I'm not talking about those things necessarily. I'm just talking about the starting point is opening up a conversation with the Holy Spirit to say, God, would you start revealing to me what this next year looks like? Why? Because I wanna be used for your glory. I wanna be used to see the Kingdom of God made manifest in my world. I wanna be used to see poverty eradicated in our area. I wanna be used to see brokenness healed in our community. I wanna be used because God, this is a word for someone right now. I wanna be used God by You in our local community, helping at-risk teens, especially boys. I wanna be used by You to help be a father the figure or a mother figure to at-risk youth in our local community. God, I've got a calling. Uh, would you would you open up wisdom and revelation to understand what you want me to do? I want you to use me. And so the first thing that I want you to be making room for is number one is vision. And vision comes from not information, it comes from intimacy comes from intimacy, comes from time spent with the Lord. So I want you to start making room. I believe what the Lord is inviting you to enlarge, Isaiah 54, is I believe He's wanting to invite you to enlarge vision. And I'm saying that not because, not like, please hear my heart. Look at the vision that the, word, that the prophet releases. It's over a person. The church in the West sadly have allowed a corporate version of vision, a business version of vision to replace a God vision. And so the vision that God wants to release is actually about you. It's personal, it's about you. One of the reasons why we don't every year release a vision kind of statement around church and we're believing for X this and Y that and all those sorts of things. Nothing wrong with those things. But one of the cultures that we're intent on undoing is for you to understand that God's actually got a personal vision for you. I wanna say that again, because I want the weight of those words to sink, I wanna touch eyes. Because I want it to sink right into your spirit. God has a vision actually personally for you, for each and every one of you, a vision. God's got a plan, Jesse, for you. He's got a plan. Bronwyn, he's got a plan for you. Murray, he's got a plan for you. There's a vision that God wants to release. How, it's gonna, how, how does it come? It comes through intimacy with Jesus. And so God wants to, when I say God wants to enlarge vision, what am I saying? I'm actually saying, David, that God wants to enlarge you. You're His vision on the earth. We're often thinking corporations and numbers and size. That's what I mean by we've become too corporate. The very system of God's work that He wants to release in the earth is actually through you, Hannah. Through a person. I'm, un- I'm talking about something very deep right now. One day I'll unpack the full mystery of it. But the truth is, think about it. The Jews still to this day called Abraham the father of faith. Abraham, the system of faith into the earth was released through that man, Abraham. We still acknowledge it to this day. So God wants to increase your life. It starts with us saying, Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? I reckon also that God wants you to enlarge your heart. When you get a vision from God, you have no other opportunity. You have no other option, sorry, but to enlarge in your heart. Because God's vision, 
you know what's really annoying about God's vision when he speaks to you? Is it always involves other people. (laughs) And so often a God vision is not actually about you. Often a God vision is about those that God's calling you to humbly lay down your life for. But the vision isn't about you. The vision is about those that are attached to the obedience that's inside of you. <laughs> I, mean, I think I've shared this story before, but one day I was, I was out the backyard. I was grumbling. I was talking to the Lord as I was digging some hole for a retaining wall or something like that. And I was just talking to the Lord. And I was watching God's grace just elevate people all around me. And I felt like it it wasn't happening for me. And I was disappointed. And in a natural, can I just be honest, this is how like weirdly human I am and probably need to grow up. But I started having this conversation with the Lord where I just started saying, I'm a better preacher than them. I'm better looking. That was a prophetic word. I'm going to sing over that. Come on. They're a bit more muscly, but whatever. It's not human talent that causes someone to rise in kingdom. It's purely a product of grace. Anyway, that's a side point. I'm just preaching to my old self. Matt, you should have known that slap. And I'm having this conversation where I'm just disappointed. I thought things should have been different to what they were. And don't get me wrong, like I'm content, I'm happy. Best wife, we celebrated our wedding anniversary this week, which is fantastic. 21 years. Don't know how, yeah, it's over half of our life we've been married. I'm not sure if Alicia's saying the same thing. But no, no, she is. I'm joking. Mm. So I'm having this moment with the Lord and I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Life's, life's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm in ministry. I'm doing things. Things are happening. Miracles, you know. God's using me, but I'm just, I'm just disappointed. And literally, I mean, this is just how the Holy Spirit, you know, you know how the Holy Spirit just speaks to you in the way that you need to hear it? Yes. Like, I reckon for Dorica, he probably sounds Jamaican. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine, because I've heard your prayer time. So I'm like, I can just imagine God just speaking back in the same way. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Just getting you into shape. Come on, somebody. But God's voice was equal for the moment. And just this impression came to my heart as I'm thinking, I'm just not where I wanted to be. I'm not where, I'm not where I wanted to be. I can do that because I don't have the, I've got that. I'm not there. And the Lord Just in my heart, I didn't hear a voice. An owl didn't appear and start speaking to me or anything like that. Just an impression in my heart that somehow God's voice works. I wanted to say that because sometimes I think when you hear a pastor say, God said, you think an audible voice came, but often it's just an impression, it's a thought that we've had the experience to tune into, to recognize the voice of the Spirit, the Christ in me, the hope of glory. You with me? And this, this impression just came to me and said, I'm sorry, but I never realized that the ministry and the vision for your life was about you. Thanks, Lord. And in that moment, I felt the Lord say into my heart, that this is a vision for your children. 
about your kids. It's about the platform I get to create for my children. Alicia and I together for our children to be followers of Jesus. (laughs) So God wants to enlarge you. That's what God wants to do. And when God enlarges you, your heart must enlarge also. God starts giving you this supernatural love for others. You all of a sudden start looking at things that once looked too hard, you start looking at those things through a different lens. You start looking at those things as opportunities to lay down your life even lower for the cause of the kingdom. You start, when you get a vision and when God starts enlarging your heart, when your heart gets bigger for the vision and for the cause of Jesus Christ on this earth, you're not measuring the toll and the price it's gonna take. You start measuring the joy. You start measuring the fruit. You start measuring the eternal weight. And you then can be like the Apostle Paul, where you aren't even thinking about the sacrifice that you're making because like Hebrews said about Jesus for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross what was the joy the joy was that his heart Jesus's heart had been enlarged enlarged for humanity that there was joy inside of him that even when he looked towards the death of the cross there was joy inside of him and so when you enlarge when you respond to God's vision, right? You make room for that. Then you make room, your heart grows. You start making room for people. You start becoming more kingdom orientated in your life. I'm gonna be done in five minutes. Is that all right? Just five minutes. That's my last proper sermon. So let's just go all out. Let's go five hours, Steve. Let's do that. He's not gonna say yes, so it's all good. You a good waking? You're right, just having a bit of a stretch? Just do some squats. That's it, that's it. He's gonna have a sore lower back after this. No, I rebuke those words. I'm gonna be healed. Just a pastoral moment for our church. Can we do it? Can we go there? Let's go there. When your heart starts to grow, what actually happens is selfishness begins to die. And this life where you live just for yourself starts to be crucified. It's a thing the Bible calls the flesh. And the flesh wants what the flesh wants. But when the spirit under the Lordship of Jesus is in control and we submit to His Lordship, what begins to happen is that flesh begins to die. And the spirit, see, I want you to please hear me. I'm not talking body now. I'm talking flesh. They're different. Okay? When God created us body, soul, and spirit, at the end of our creation, he looked at it and said it was very good. This is amazing. It's perfect. Without sin, the human body is perfect. So I'm not talking about body. So that's why you've got to obey the Sabbath. Two, you've got to have Sabbath rest. I'm now preaching to my wife and myself. You've got to have Sabbath rest. Why? Because it honours the way God created us. We'll have a holiday when we're in heaven. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It's dumb. It's not the Bible. It's actually against the Bible. So when you hear a preacher say that, you can just tell them, my pastor said that this is the work of witchcraft. Don't quote me on that, but anyway. And that's a joke, but I'm kind of not laughing at the same time. But anyway, let's move on. So there's a difference between body and flesh. You with me? Right? I'm not saying the body dies. This is good. Right? I'm saying the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is the sinful nature that is inside of us. Maybe that's a better way of saying it for clarity. The sinful nature that the Apostle Paul says we're at war with. And what happens is, is when we start surrendering our hearts to Him, we get this new vision from God, guess what begins to happen? The flesh 
and the spirit, the sinful nature and the spirit are at war. And the sinful nature doesn't want the spirit, man, to win. And they are at war with each other. That's why it's easy to sit down and watch Netflix for five hours and binge the latest show. But it's hard to sit down for five minutes to pray. What's going on there? Quite simply, what's going on there is a war between sinful nature and spirit. Just being real. And it's until, nothing wrong with Netflix, I'm not preaching against TVs. I grew up in the 80s when my mum was very religious at the start. We didn't have a TV. Boring times around my house. We used to nick off to the neighbours to watch Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Master Splinter was like a demon of some sort because it was ninjas, you know what I'm talking about. So we'd nick nick off to Mitchell Webb's house. He lived across the road. (laughs) It's been a big week. You with me? So we've got to understand that when we're enlarging, what happens is our flesh dies. That's what I'm trying to say. Our sinful nature dies and we stop living. This is what happens when the sinful nature dies. We stop living for ourselves. We stop living just to get. We stop living just to get the next house, the investment property, the new car, the this, the that. Nothing wrong with those things, but our entire life shifts to being about the kingdom of God. We truly start manifesting and living out Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the promise is that all these things, read Matthew chapter 6, you realise that He's talking about He's talking about stuff. He's talking about money. He's talking about clothes. He's talking about all those sorts of things. But when you start, when the sinful nature dies, you start living not for yourself anymore. You start living for the Kingdom of God. And so my prayer is that we approach 24. So that's a good test for you, right? In my workplace, what am I living for? Career or am I living for the Kingdom? That doesn't mean you quit your job. That means you let God redeem that place. And you say, God, give me a vision for my accounting office. I need it. These people need Jesus. God, give me a vision for my school. I've got to go to school. My parents make me, the government make me. But instead of having that attitude, when, you, when your sinful nature begins to die, you start to get a vision for your school. You start to get a vision for the reason why God has put you in that classroom with those people. You start to get a vision why God's put you in that work site with those people that are dropping every sort of alphabetical bomb they possibly can. Every, everyone, they're going through the entire alphabet of swear words, but God has put you there. Why? Because He puts people with light in them in dark places. I'm going to clap myself. Come on. So you've got to make room for God. You've got to make room. God wants to use you. If you're the ages of 60 plus, this is not a time for you to wind down. Come on. This is a time for you to come before the Lord and say, God, give me a vision. You know what we need more than ever in the church is we need mums and dads in the church. I wanna say that again, because this is something so powerful for our community to get. We need spiritual mums and dads in our church. We really do. Our young people more than ever before need a church to be intergenerational. And so we need you to be involved. We need you to be connected. We need you. Our children need grandparents that aren't just their grandparents. They need grandparents that are gonna come around them and that are gonna be praying for them during the week. This is what I see in my spirit and I prophesy this being unlocked in 24. I see some of you, you're praying and God's gonna bring a picture to you of one of our young people. And God's gonna give you a word for that young person. And you're gonna take them, you're gonna approach them in the foyer 
or see them respond up the front and you're going to bring a, bring a life-altering, identity-shifting prophetic word into a young person. But isn't that the youth pastor's job? No, that's the job of the community. That's what happens when you start saying, God, the vision's been enlarged, the heart's been enlarged. I don't even like young people. They're annoying to me. But my heart's been changed. No, 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 I'm being serious about that. I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying it maybe for someone like you. (laughs) I don't even like children. That's why I'm not serving in the kids' church, Vanessa. I'll do anything in the church, but not kids' ministry. That sounds a little bit like Jonah. Let's have a shalah. Oh, just messing, but it does. Um. The issue with Jonah was heart. God had to put him into the belly of a fish to change this. So we've got to make room for Him. We really do. In our community, we've got to make room for God. What in 2024 are you going to allow God to do through you? Vision, enlarged. Heart, enlarged. As a result, faith, enlarged. And then are you ready for this? This is the one that you don't want to hear the pastor say. When all those things enlarge, then the thing that happens is responsibility enlarge. Give me a child, okay, who's here had a baby in the last 12 months. Some of them just walked out. Penny and Audrey, they just had a baby in the last 12 months. They already had one before that. Who's had the first baby in, you got one, one. Uh, Yeah. There he is, nicking out of kids' church again. (laughs) But the truth is, is you're like, God, give me a child. Then God gives you a child. And you know what that actually means? Let's rephrase this in a different way. Say, I want a child. And when you say that, what actually God go, really what you're actually asking without knowing is God, give me responsibility. Lord, I want to touch the nations for the gospel. God's, what God's hearing is, I want responsibility of the nations. Lord, raise me up as this or do this in my business. And really what you're asking for, God, 10X my business this year. Great prayer to pray. But 10Xing your business involves 10Xing your staff, 10Xing your financial responsibility, 10xing a whole lot of stuff. So really in one breath, you're saying, God, give me this. And God's going, yeah, but do you know that really what you're asking for is you're asking for more responsibility. Give me my license. Okay, you can have your license, but what you have in that key is you you actually have a responsibility now. You have a responsibility to your own safety within that vehicle, to your passengers within that vehicle and to all other road users that are with you on the road at that time of your driving. Come on, P-platers, can I get an amen from the parents? Are you with me? And so what? when you get your license, what you're actually getting is you're getting responsibility. I want a business. You've just taken responsibility of your own salary. That's what you've done. When people say, oh yeah, I'm in business, it sounds really good. Really what they're saying is, I'm responsible. And so when we look around our community, right? When we look around our community, when we look around our family, let's start there. In fact, let's go in, when we look around our own heart and our mind and our own lives, God's saying, will you take responsibility? Will you take responsibility? But I didn't cause that homelessness. Well, God didn't cause our sin. So we don't follow in the footsteps of humanistic thinking. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus thinking that says, yeah, I didn't cause the sin, but while you were still a sinner, 
my generosity and my love, my heart was so big and my vision was so big that I'm like, I'm there. I'll meet that need. And the need that needed to be met was a sacrifice. A lamb had to be slain. Blood had to be shed for the remission of sin. I didn't cause it, but that doesn't mean that you and I are not responsible. (laughs) I feel the weight of this. So as we survey our community, as we survey what's happening in our world at this time, as we ask, invite the Holy Spirit to give us a vision, we wanna respond out of the vision He gives, not the state of affairs that we see. We don't wanna respond out of our barrenness, we wanna respond out of our fruitfulness. Respond, responsibility, respond. There's always a response. There's always a responsibility. That's what we carry. When you ask God for a vision, what you're saying to the Lord is you're saying, Lord, give me a responsibility. I will steward that responsibility for you. The parable of the talent. Here's a talent. What, what God was giving them was a responsibility. So be careful the prayer that you pray. Careful the vision you ask for. I'm being real. Because when your eyes open to it, you live under the burden of that responsibility. You also live under a grace to be able to operate under the weight of that responsibility. That's why you should never pray for what someone else has got on their life. But they're doing this, they've got that many people, they've got this size thing, they're doing that. You should never pray for what someone else has. You should always pray for what God wants for you. And you should live in contentment with what you've got now. Because the measure you have right now, arguably is the measure of grace that God has for you to operate in. And the moment you step out of that God-given space is the moment you're just in danger land. And so I reckon in 2024, God, this isn't the word of the year, but it's probably a good one anyway. I reckon that God is gonna release more responsibility. (laughs) I reckon God is gonna put the weight of that responsibility so heavy on some people that for example, when you walk past the need that God's calling you to carry in our community, in 23, So you've got a few weeks, you would have been able to walk past it. But in 24, you're going to be so burdened, you're not going to be able to walk past it. God's wanting to birth a nation through you. God's wanting to birth a nation through you. Feel the glory of God here. I'm barren. I got nothing. God's wanting to birth something pretty big through you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, except that which the Spirit has revealed. God is wanting to birth something pretty incredible through you, Viers. He really is. Erwin and Joanne, you feel the glory of God, I know. God's wanting to birth, even with that hat, Erwin. (laughs) Believe it or not, the anointing can get through that. Only just. But God is wanting to do something pretty special in you guys this year. It's a redeeming year, I hear the Lord saying, where I'm going to give back what the what has been stolen in a whole lot of different places. But He's given it back to you right now. And it's like Joshua, when God said, go and possess the land, it's already yours. And so you're going to walk into situations that's just going to redeem it. Bam, bam, bam. In Jesus' name. I said five minutes, I went 10, 15. Keep going, Steve. (laughs) Do 20. Oh, I I went 20. He's been timing. He's my accountability partner. So be blessed to know today that God has a vision for your life. Be blessed to know today that that in that vision, God's going to expand your heart 
to want to see that vision come to pass. Be blessed to know today that as that heart grows, you're going to stop living for yourself and you're going to start living for the vision that God puts inside of you for others. And be blessed to know today, really be blessed to know today that you carry a responsibility that is so important. Be blessed to know today that the time is short, very, very short. This is an end times message. I'm not saying Jesus is coming back next year. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm trying to help you to see is that life is just so small. It's here one moment, gone the next. And we, you and I individually, God has a vision for us to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. The greatest issue with the Western church is that we have become consumers and stop being Christians. We only go to the church we choose to go to primarily at times. I'm just speaking real now. It's not, this isn't a very good carol service, is it? <laughs> it's not. And bring in Santa. No, I'm joking. But the truth is we choose, we choose a church because we like it. We like the preaching or we like the worship or the seats are comfy or the parking's convenient. Most of the time, that's it. We dress it up spiritually. We're like, yeah, God's told me, I'm just moving on. Just the Lord's put it in my heart to go. That's great. I'm all good with that. But an issue with the Western church is that we've got sanctuaries full of consumers and not worshippers. And we've got to change the tides in our nation. If we're going to see this prophecy come to pass, the great south land of the Holy Spirit, that an end time revival is going to break out in our nation, that God's glory is going to be manifest in our schools, in our streets, it won't matter what curriculum the education department say needs to be preached. When young revivalists begin to rise up in our school, the only thing that they're going to remember from their schooling, other than some good maths and English and those sorts of things, but what's going to trump the noise of our secular indoctrination of our young people is the fact that the Holy Ghost came upon someone. The Holy Spirit saved someone. Someone was delivered from demons and addiction in their school. The, the, the hope of the world is not going to come to pass through the government of this world. It is going to come through the government of God, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got to, I could keep going another 20. Woo. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just honour you. We praise you. You're so good. My prayer today that this church family would not only carry, but we would steward the responsibility you put in our spirit. I declare an open heaven over our church community. I declare protection, divine protection over every single person. I declare favour and blessing. Lord, I pray that their spiritual eyes would be opened the eyes of the understanding would be opened. Lord, that they would know the riches, the inheritance that they have and that they are in You, Jesus. I pray, Father, right now that a spirit of prophecy would break open over this church. Lord, that the, the prophets would arise, that there would just be such a, an arising of that grace in this house, Father. Lord, I thank You, Lord, that You would even release strategy and wisdom around how we can be an intergenerational church. Lord, I pray that You would raise up our young people, Father, our children, my very own kids, Father. Lord, right, just the young, the young, young, young ones, Father, right through to those, Father, in university, I pray that You would raise up revivalists in this time, people that would just carry the mark of heaven on their life. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, let Your glory fall on E-Kids out there, Father. 
Lord, at times, let them just get slain in the Spirit. Let them come out of that place speaking in tongues, Father. Let them come out of that place declaring the wondrous works of, of heaven, Father, being manifest in that room. Lord, use us, Father, to meet the needs in our community. So just, just open up vision, Lord. We want to make room for you, Father, for 2024 to be used by you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to preach some more. But we just love you so much. And it is real privilege to be able to serve you in the capacity that we do. We consider it such an honour. Alicia said before, but we do want to thank you just for your generosity. We just, we just bless you guys. It's a privilege and an honour. Thank you for your generosity over this season. Um, as mentioned before, please keep Danny and the whole Sprague family in your prayers. Um, have a wonderful week. Stay out of the shops. Um, that demon of spending come upon you. Um, but uh, just really enjoy this time with family and friends. And uh, we love you. And we'll see you in the foyer. Sorry? Yeah, next week's a one-hour service. I won't be preaching. Um, and so it's going to be great. It's just going to be an all-in family service all together. Um, it's going to be really good. So we look forward to seeing you there. Um, please check your kids out. Alicia's telling me stuff. Yes, there's no service on the, the first week of January. Oh, no, the last week of December. New Year's Eve, don't come here. Um, you can if you want, but we won't be here. So that'd be great. Go somewhere else. God bless you. See ya.